Hello, everyone. Welcome to Divergent Politics. I'm your host, Laura Hodge. I'm neurodivergent, and politics has always been my special interest. My husband, Tristan Hodge, is neurotypical, so he's here to translate for me. Hello, everyone. Thank you guys for your patience last week with our sound issue. 99% sure that's resolved, um, but there, there's bound to be new issues that come up. You know, we're learning as we go. So we appreciate you guys hanging in there for us. Uh, we've got a great episode for you tonight. Up here. Okay, so first up is uh, my sister, sister Krista's biggest fear come to life. She's deathly afraid of why. <laughs> um, <clears throat> next up, we'll get a quick lesson in labor, from labor history, then current labor headlines. Tonight, we're going to learn about the 1874 Tompkins Square riot. Um, and then new UAW hopefuls, Germany in gridlock, and no labor effort is too small. Then we're going to spot the propaganda. Tonight we're focusing on misleading headlines. <clears throat> Excuse me. Following that, we'll have our mutual aid signal boost. Then we'll jump into political lines. Uh, tonight we're currently facing another government shutdown, and uh, Jim Jordan says we're asking for it. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the House had a record-breaking dysfunctional year in 2023. Um, and then the how the U.S. and U.K. apparently joined World War III. <clears throat> um, and if that wasn't going to be the end of us, uh, 2023 was a record-breaking climate disaster year. So, fun episode tonight. <laughs> um, uh, we'll finish off with our apolitical palate cleanser, which is the massive winter storm currently bringing most of the country to its knees. Yeah, and hopefully not bringing down the internet while we're talking to mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very possible. We're we're getting some pretty heavy snow right now, so um, uh, we're, our internet's been a little spotty. So hopefully we're we'll be good. We got great tech support. We do. We have the best tech support. All right. So first up is going to be the Alaska Airlines blowout, um, and I know a lot of you've seen a bunch of this, so uh, we are going to start with a, a video from inside the plane. Right after it didn't catch, nobody caught it when it was going, but from a passenger on the plane. And then we're going to look at the um, <clears throat> the investigations that are going on and what those are going to amount to. Seems like a pretty straightforward investigation. Yeah. The door is supposed to close and hold a certain way. How, I, did, how did it fail? Yeah. You know. All right. Let's, let's get this. So, uh, there's no real audio here. It's just a video, so apologize for the people on podcasts, but you can just see there are just stars out the side of the plane. Um, wow, I was expecting it to be like violently windy in there. Yeah, I, I bet it's freezing. It's the only thing I could come up with. Up in the sky, where like there's always frost crystals on there. Like, I, yeah. I expected it to be, I would have thought it was freezing. And there was the one passenger close to the window got his shirt sucked off of him. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, that was. So where was this flight? Um, it was Portland. Somewhere, somewhere, somewhere heading towards Portland yeah. or out of Portland. Yeah, Pacific Northwest for sure. I should know that. Yeah, I mean, uh, my mom just flew in last night and had to, you know, get de-iced. Yeah. From Seattle, yeah, so it was fucking cold. Yeah. Best. Hopefully she wasn't on the max. No, they they canceled all the flights that had this to go and that had this on there. Um, but uh, so oh, wow. here's a couple of pictures. Um, one from the inside and one from the outside. 
Um, and I guess it turns out there was nobody sitting in the seat. Like, coincidentally, those the two seats closest to that were empty. Which is weird because you think exit row everybody wants those seats for the later. So, so I'm super confused because my understanding was airplane doors, like the way that they're designed, they're smaller, or excuse me, they're larger than the opening. Mm. So when they're sealed, as long as you don't lose cabin pressure, it's mechanically sealed. Yeah. Like you can undo all the locks you want, but that door is not going to There's move. something with the bolts. Um, and we have a, a question I mean, here. if it was able to blow out, though, then it must be a different design. Yeah, they're, they're working on it. But we do have a question here about not being able to super chat. So apparently we can't get super chats and or any kind of funding until we have 500 subscribers. So mm. that's that's the first thing we need to get to. That's so everyone needs milestone. to So yeah, subscribe. get all your friends and family. You are all my friends and family. <laughs> <laughs> so get, get all your friends and family to, to subscribe to uh, Divergent Politics on YouTube. And then we can start getting paid for this work. All right, see, I figured out what this little thing is. I don't know what it does, but I put that with. Oh, it went back last time. See? Tech issues. Taylor, get over here. I know it's snowing, but come over to my house. All right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> moving on. So, yeah, picture from the outside. You can see where it blew out, and then from the inside, all the fiberglass. That picture doesn't blow up. Okay, so this <laughs> is, uh, this is from a week ago now. Uh, the FAA continues investigation into the Boeing Max 730, or 737 Max 9. Um, and then we have a follow-up video from yesterday. So we'll, we'll compare the two. So we said once again, because I don't know if you remember, this was the same when uh, there were those like, was that two or three crashes that happened right after one another? This it was the same as the Max. The the Malaysia flight, something or other. Is that the one you're talking about? Or I one? that was around the same time, but I'm not sure that that was the same exact thing. Maybe it was. There was other crashes, two or three. So Max nines. Do, do you know? Well, that was a Max eight. So that's the thing. But it's the Max series. I'm saying the the Max Nines is that like the majority of the fleet now, or are we talking a small percentage? No, so um, they'll get they'll say that it's the newer ones. This mm -hmm. plane that this happened on is only three months old. Oh, okay, okay. So, um, so it's not the, like the workhorse of the of the fleet. Not yet, nines. but it's the but it's the 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 Max whatever seven eight nine sure. has been, and the the Max I guess is all we've been this year. Let's keep on. Maximum savings. Not safety. You think? That's just wild. 
Oops. Unplug my headphone. Yep. I think now. Yep. Okay. Um. So yeah, Lisa, brand new fucking airplane. So that tells you it's it's a quality control issue, not a like mechanical like oh it's just worn out, it's used too much. Yeah, quality control or design, or you know it could be a you know faulty design I mean, of some of some. Quality control should catch that. So. Sure, sure. <laughs> but yeah, what is somebody thing, fucked up. Is, well, one is of what the things I was I was listening to. I listened to so many podcasts that play segments from other shows that I couldn't tell you which show I listened to. But they were talking about when after the Cold War, uh, we had too many government contractors and no wars going. And so the Pentagon actually paid for a bunch of mergers of uh, defense contractors to have them. With, and uh, one of the ones was Boeing airplanes with one of the smaller companies. And that company had always had like a real bad reputation or whatever. Um, and, uh, so, like, since then, Boeing had them pulled in, and now Boeing has zero competition. Mm. The only competition they have in the world is Aerobus in Europe. Like, mm -hmm. they are our, I mean, of scale, right? Like, there's sure. small, whatever, manufacturers, but Boeing has no competition. So, it's not about On, on, on that product. size and type of plane, they, they got it. Yeah. They got it locked in. Yeah. So the 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 comp, you know, there's nothing to to beat out the next guy. It's all just about pulling every cent out of it that you can. Mm -hmm. And you got to be running, yep, you got to be running the spreadsheets, doing their extractions. The company like, it's never about let's come up with the next best thing and the next we, we extract quit. for shareholders. Yep, we quit building as a as a economy and are now extractors. Like that's all we do. And it's this is the perfect example of when monopolies happen and there's no competition um you know what, what are we gonna do boeing is who we have our they can't ground every fucking plane right they're gonna ground well, it sounds like ones. there's no need to ground every plane but definitely all the nines but i'm saying like if something say something worse happened with boeing and it was a broader issue sure what do you do the u.s just has no planes then right because all we were completely invested in this one company they make their own engines. I bet not. You would know. You would probably know more than I do. And you engine manufacturers. Right, I'm gonna look into that. You should. That's from the outside. Mm-hmm. That's from the outside. Yeah. Like, like, like I said, like that was a big deal about planes. It's like the door was larger than the hole. Yeah. So the pressure difference held it in. Keep, yep. But no, and then they're finding out that these bolts, it's like you, a, you bolt it to the outside and now that door is constantly fighting the lower pressure outside with the higher pressure inside. Yeah. It's a pounds per square inch kind of deal. Believe you. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's retarded. This whole thing is retarded. Excuse me, not retarded. No, you're right. It's not smart. It's not good. Loose bolts. My fingers on Yeah. Point them at yourself. You're the CEO. This is your problem. I mean, he, he took that. He took it. Well, we'll see.
this fucking guy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just can't. Like, he, he hasn't even finished, but I already feel like he's not going to answer the question. No. He, well, I'll back it up a second. But I just, this is the guy who's responsible for this. This is a, he ran for president, so he wanted to be in charge of fucking everything. And then they caught him to resign or drop out of the race and endorse Biden. And we're like, we'll put you in a, like, safe, cushy, can't fuck anything up cabinet position. And then trains And the trains are really <laughs> fucking airplanes are pieces are falling out of the sky. <laughs> fucking guy. And oh, that's any fucking skills or qualifications or, you know, he was in the military, fine. That doesn't mean he knows how to run the fucking trains. It's like, yeah. Oh my god. Wonderful. See his smarmy face and I just look. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do need to be able to demonstrate that. That would be ideal. See? Wait. They haven't been doing that? Yeah, right. <laughs> Hmm. Obviously. No, so that's the thing. All right, and we'll get into the this next video. Actually, we'll just play that because we we're, we're gonna have some things to say. It's so this is a week later. So this so that first video is from a week ago. Okay. This is from yesterday. Like, all right, let's hear what we got. It's a little quiet. Oh my god. Oh my god. Pause that. Mm -hmm. That man looks exactly how I imagined FAA administrator would look. <laughs> look at the oh, bags under that man's eyes. Yeah. That 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 guy hasn't slept in months. No, not in a week. Oh man, poor guy. He also looks like <laughs> Like, if you if you typed into an AI image generator like generic white guy a bureaucrat, it would pop up this guy. Tired looking generic. No woman. audio. Oh. No audio from the clips. Uh oh. All right. Hold on. Oh please. Yeah. Oh please. Hold on. Yeah. Audio back on. I go like one video to the next, and not work. Okay. Let's try that again. Yeah, let's try that again. Boeing 737 Max 9 investigation. It is quiet. The video is quiet. So. How's that? Uh, thank you, Joe. Let's bring in Mike Whitaker, the FAA administrator, uh, who this morning is announcing that he would like to see greater Here oversight of Boeing's MAX 9 production, including okay, the cool. delegated yeah. authority, Sweet. which is the process for reviewing you, uh, the aircraft as they're coming off the assembly line. Mike, thanks for joining us. Explain exactly what you would like to see increased in terms of FAA oversight. Doors staying uh, thanks, on. Phil, thanks for having me. Uh, so I would like to see an increase in doors staying Oversight on. of the manufacturing process. So this, we know there are problems with manufacturing. This. There have been problems in the past. 
but these are continuing. And the aircraft that was involved in the accident last week in Alaska <laughs> was less than three months old. So this is a brand new aircraft. It has just come off the line and it had significant problems. And we believe there are other manufacturing problems uh, as well. So <laughs> that's not what you want to hear. No, that's not. So, but, yes. but I mean, those manufacturing problems still boil down to cutting costs. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, exactly. Right? That's if, the you, if you had a supplier that, you know, I'd say it was down the street from you, you know, not overseas, mm -hmm. you know, I feel like this couldn't get fixed. Yep. But his solution for this is mind numbing. So, this is all about finding where the risks are, identifying the risks, and mitigating them. So we're going to increase uh, oversight by auditing the production process at Boeing and at, and at Spirit, uh, increasing our oversight on the ground, but also our oversight of data. But how he's uh, and do frankly, that. as you mentioned, I think we need to look at who's got authority to make approvals uh, and how that works. Mm -hmm. This delegation of authority, uh, we want to commission a review of that and see if that's a risk in the system. <laughs> I think it's time to start a committee about maybe talking about getting some oversight together for maybe approving. Yeah, he, he said nothing. Well, he, he's going to say more nothing. It's just, it's, it's, we, we need to figure out who's got the approval. You're the FAA guy. That's you. You. But oh, as he tells you, it's not quite that cut and dry, which is bonkers. Well, should there be a third party, Mike? Should there be somebody independent of Boeing on the floor in the Boeing plant saying, yes, this the is FAA? Good enough, or no, there's a problem? Well, no, he's saying third party independent between Boeing and the FAA. FAA is the third party. FAA is the. They're between they're Boeing the, and us. Sure, but no, but they're the, they're the, they're like the, the ocean. They're the, they're the, the the what's the word I'm looking for? The organization. They're the regulatory the, committee. Yeah, right. But they're not. So they're not the ones that that they. So he's saying we should have a third party, um, company organization send inspectors. That sounds like you can't trust the FAA. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think it's an option we should look at. And if and, and there's been a lot of debate about around delegation. It used to be FAA that did quite a bit more. Uh, that was moved uh, by legislation to the private sector. Uh, that works. <laughs> what the fuck do you do, bro? Right? What do you do? Not a lot, apparently. <laughs> so, yeah, no, our, our Congress legislation. Chief on Boeing Insight. Just, Oversight, excuse me. Just, uh, or not just, but they... They legislatively, by law, took a whole bunch of the the oversight uh, authority away from the FAA and put it in the hands of the private sector. I wonder who lobbied that. Three yeses. First two don't count. Third one, Boeing. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's great in a lot of instances, but sometimes it doesn't. And so... Rather than debating stock. whether it should move back to FAA, I think we should also look, is there, a, is there a third party option? Could we get a technical nonprofit organization that provides that uh, approval or oversight? Can we, can we create a third party technical nonprofit? Well, let's just add layers and layers and layers of, to the bureaucracy that is already not functioning. 
site, and then we oversee that organization. So, but then he wants to over, oversee yeah, that yeah, organization. That's, that's not how the report works. <laughs> Move back to FAA. I think we should also look is. Yeah, it's back to FAA. I think we should also look. Is there an is there a third party option? Could we get a technical nonprofit organization that provides that uh, approval or oversight, and then we oversee that organization? So it's just an option. It may not be the right option, but I think we need to have that debate. Okay. Don't even know that that's what we should do, but it's definitely time to talk about it. Jesus, man! <laughs> this is why nothing gets done. Whole <laughs> cool society let's, that we have built. Let's have a meeting. Yeah. Whether we should have a meeting. <laughs> yeah, sparky bonkers. Wow. Mike, I want to ask you about the discussions with Boeing uh, on an inspection protocol for the Max 9s that are grounded. When do you think that you'll have that worked out so that they can start these inspections and potentially get those planes back in the air? We think it'll be worked out when we're when we're sure that it's going to be safe. So we need to make sure these these aircraft are all inspected and they're all returned to the condition that where, where that meets the certification requirements. There's been a huge amount of work, as you can imagine, this last week, uh, really around the clock, um, by FAA safety teams, by by Boeing, by the carriers, uh, and we're working on an engineering solution. So when we're satisfied that that's safe, that will be that will be issued. Just to be clear here, no time frame. In other words, it's not something you're expecting in the next day or two. I, I think you can. Like, what a stupid question. Like, first of all, that was like the best answer you could have given to that question. Like, what time frame? How long until this? Until it's safe, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. Not, not tomorrow, not the next day. And he's just like, oh, well, so you're saying not, not soon? No, no. But no. twice as long if we get a third party involved. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Or, I don't know, man. They they got to do something besides having just Boeing, like as the pleasing themselves. This is this is not an over. This is a capitalist problem. Yes, exactly. This, yeah, this is what extraction does. Yep. Yep. We have taken everything we can all the way to the top, and now we're just hauling we more. everything out. We need more. Count on me to never give you a time frame for uh, when something's going to happen if it involves a safety review. So we'll, we're going to go with it when it's safe. Mike Whitaker, FAA Administrator. Mike, we have to keep this a short interview, a busy day. We appreciate so, yeah, you joining us. So that's, um, that's madness. I can't, I've tried to Google it and all I can come up with is uh, like arrow icons, like clip art. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's not what I need. The actual arrow. Anyway, moving. Okay, anyway, moving. So that is the end of segment one. Uh, so next we're going to have uh, labor uh, history and techniques. I always like to hear about a good riot. We've got a video for this guy too. Make sure we get a signal. Okay, so, all right, in the audience, let me know if we don't have sound. Shit. All right, and then hopefully the subtitles are 
must have working. Those are coming through our plate, so lying on you guys. Let us know if it's not working. All right. Um so yeah, we got the Tompkins Square Riot, January 13th, 1870. It's a little while ago. It is. Um, so I found a little short video on this. Um, and that seemed to well, be. Who more... took the video? Huh? No. Yeah, no. Uh, um, it seemed way more interesting than just listening to me read some slides. The tranquility of Tompkins Square Park is misleading. The elms, many dating back to the 1870s, the dog run, the playground, and the grass, typical to many urban parks, are but a thin mask to the turbulent events that took place on these grounds in the late 19th century. Tompkins Square Park bears witness to a particularly difficult time in the lives of the German-Americans of Klein-Deutschland. In 1874, a group of approximately 7,000 young working-class immigrants gathered in the park to protest the economic hardships and working conditions, a protest that became known as the Tompkins Square Riot. The protesters planned to march from Tompkins Square to City Hall in demand of a public works program that would provide employment and end evictions of the unemployed. The protesters assembled peacefully in the park for a licensed demonstration and were unaware that the permit given to them had been revoked. So, some things never fucking change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Good 150 years ago. Um, and I can't remember if I get to it in this video because I did some other research, but this was all taking place under a wider, like, global depression. Um, and basically the government was like, no, let charities fucking handle this. This is not our problem. And all the workers were like, no, we don't fucking want your charity. We want jobs. We want to work. Mm -hmm. Not want handouts. We want to fucking work. Like, this is your problem. And so, yeah, they applied for a permit, got approved, and then it got revoked. Um, so then they get in trouble for being there. Really. Mm -hmm. They were working class immigrants many of them German, all unemployed, and many not having eaten in days. They were met by at least 1,500 policemen, almost two-thirds of the city's police force. With horses and raised clubs, the officers charged without warning in what a local labor leader described as an orgy of brutality. Jesus. An orgy of brutality. Just, these are the people who don't see people as people. 1,500 police in 1874. And that's two-thirds of the police force, so more than that. Um, but, yeah, they're just like, how dare you fucking dirty, shameful, immigrant, whatever, dare demand anything of your government to take care of you, and we're just going to beat the living hell out of you instead. Some things never change, man. Like, it's still how fucking, you know, police react to protests now. The police arrested 44 men for disorderly conduct, riotous conduct, incendiary speech, carrying concealed weapons, inciting to riot, and assault. 
This was a clash between uptown and downtown, between immigrants and established residents, between blue-collar workers and affluent residents, between socialists and capitalists. It seemed like response it was just a clash between the police and those people. Yeah, None of those other people did anything. No, but I mean, those police, the police are the capitalists. Right. Well, they're, they're not capitalists. They're the army of the capitalists. Right. It's so funny that the police are, like, defend capitalism at all costs, but they're the actual, like, working class who, that if it wasn't for them, capitalism wouldn't be possible. Like... And they, they receive no benefit of it. They still have to get out there and fucking work every day. <laughs> the, the, the police are the bootlickers of the capitalist class. This is going to be fun when I have my friend cop on the interview. <laughs> that's that's sometime in the future soon. We'll see how that goes. ...was split along class lines. The working class sympathized with the demonstrators, while uptown residents supported police actions. Weird. There were xenophobic insinuations and the rioters were described as foreigners, chiefly German and Irish, communist, and socialist. The press of the time identified this as a threat to free speech and questioned the government's right to regulate such gatherings. Tompkins Square Park continued to serve as a place to voice dissent right up to the 1990s, when local residents protested the gentrification of the area and the barring of the homeless. Wonderful. So that's something. Learned all those lessons. Never, never did it ever again. All right. So now coming to current day labor headlines. Uh, Mercedes Benz workers in Alabama announced campaign to join the UAW. Hmm. <clears throat> cool. Good for them. Yep. So the UAW has announced that Mercedes Benz workers in Alabama have gone public with a campaign to join the union. The move follows a similar announcement last month. Uh, by the union regarding workers at Volkswagen in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, so, so far, 30% of workers at both plants have signed union representation cards. Um, and 30% is the level at which the UAW makes it public uh, that, that that intent is. And then it's 50% do something else. And then it's 70% of big swimming pool. Mm. Um, so, yeah, Chattanooga's a kind of a industrial build stuff kind of, kind of town. They yeah. build a lot of stuff there. Yeah, one of the few places left in the mm-hmm. country that isn't just finance spreadsheet. I mean, that money. was my impression of it, you yeah. know, the little time I spent there. All right, so now going overseas, uh, Europe's biggest economy hit by travel disruption and what looks increasingly like a general strike, which is music to my ears. Hopefully we can get that to, like, come across the water. <laughs> uh, What's out. Europe's biggest economy? Germany. Germany. Okay. Um, so a three-day nationwide strike called by train drivers from Wednesday to Friday evening has added to travel disruption in Europe's biggest economy, which was already reeling from ongoing farmer protests. Mm-hmm. A walkout by the GDL train drivers union has brought rail travel in Germany to a near standstill, with national rail operator uh, Deutsche Bahn only running a pared-back emergency timetable for commuters. Um, so, uh, German, German, ugh. Germany, I, that, that is, I copied and pasted that, so that is not my professor, <laughs> that way it reads funny. They've been blocking roads and highways with a convoy of tractors and marching through major cities in a bid to pressure the government to scrap all plans to cut farmer subsidies. 
So you got the picture here of the line of tractors, which says no farmer, no food, no future. So there's a line of just lines of tractors just stopped in the, yeah. in the streets. They're just completely. Yeah, come move them. Traffic. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You, you know what, what kind of a fleet of machinery it would take to remove that fleet of machinery? <laughs> One that big, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, there's not a city that has enough tow trucks to go move all those fucking things. Not, not a chance. So German economy minister Robert Habeck was blocked from disembarking from a ferry on a uh, returning from a private vacation last week. Um, and as many as 300 farmers, oh my, many as 300 farmers uh, were said to have blocked the ferry from docking in the north of the country. Wonderful. So, um, we're going to talk about the, the railways first, and then we'll get more into the, the tractor. Yeah, no, I almost don't even really care exactly what they're fighting for right now. You know, hopefully they'll just keep fighting for more. Oh, I'm with you, except for one of the issues going on with the farmers is they're they're fighting because they're losing their diesel subsidies. And I'm very much of the mindset that we cannot keep subsidizing fossil fuels for anybody, right, if we're going to do something about this climate disaster. So I feel for them. The problem is, is they're getting those subsidies cut and nothing is replacing it. Right. Right. Right, so, there's no help with an alternative. Right, so that's the problem, right? So, like, I'm with you, I'm with them fighting, I'm with them, you know, stand up, but... It, it's it's not impossible, but, it, but it's not easy either. Like, uh, all of their machinery is designed to run on diesel. Right. Not all of that machinery has an electric counterpart. Right. And even less of that machinery has an electric counterpart that's worth a shit. Yeah, so they're we're finally getting our governments to, like, get halfway serious about doing something about the climate change. But you can't just shit on them to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's it's one of the reasons we the, we have this problem here. It's one of the reasons people elect Republicans because the Democrats go in and add in all these regulations and it hurts the, the bottom line people. And I get it, right? I happen to agree that regulations are necessary, but they did they, they all they do is go in and lay down rules. In, like, incentive would work better. Yeah, they don't there there there's no taking care of there's just you can't do this anymore. No other salt solutions, no other ways to help. No, we're gonna help, you know, help you make this transition. Just not, we're done. What a weird industry to think that you could do that with. Yeah. Like again, everything runs on fucking diesel. Yeah. Like it's all, you know, remote machinery. It's not fixed uh, uh, like fixed machinery, you know. Thousands faced train cancellations across Germany from Wednesday as a three-day nationwide rail oh, strike man. began. Yeah, the GDA Train yeah. Drivers Union started its main strike in the early hours, while cargo train drivers walked out Tuesday evening. The long-running row over train driver pay and working hours flared up again following a three-week truce over Christmas. The union wants a reduced working week for its shift work. I can infer. Yes. Infer meaning. Current wages. National rail operator Deutsche Bahn has offered flexibility on working hours, but refused to reduce them without a pay cut. Klaus Roselski, so that's the that's the big thing there, is they're trying to go from thirty-eight hours to thirty-five hours with the same pay for the workers. Um, the bosses are like, "Oh, we'll cut your hours, but we're going to also cut your pay." Um, so that's why they're on strike. Like, no, we want we want to work three hours less a week. We cannot. This is a job you can't do. Tired. Like, we need less 
working. I mean, it's Europe, so they're definitely already working less less hours than we do. But um, but that's what the that's what the strike's about. Is head of Germany's GDL train drivers union. We're demanding a staggered reduction in weekly working hours with compensation equalisation. Deutsche Bahn argues the union's demands would lead to a 50% hike in staffing costs. The strikes have forced the train operator. Right? Wait, what? Cutting everybody three hours. From, from 38. To 35. How the fuck does that equal 50%? <laughs> no, yeah, I, I would guess that it doesn't. I, apparently I'm not good at math. Um, and I know that's not true, so... Uh, hmm. No, no. But they're gonna have to hire more people. But like, you know, like. The, Did they say how many people were on strike? Did they give a number? Oh, I don't remember. to run only stripped back emergency timetables. Anja Brücke is a Deutsche Bahn spokesperson. The strike by the train drivers' union, GDL, has had a massive impact on train services in Germany, both passenger and freight. We've had to take a massive number of trains off the tracks. According to an... Oh, I just lost it. I paused it. ...emergency plan, we've been running around 20% of our passenger services since 2 a.m. 20%. The train strikes add more travel chaos in Europe's largest economy, which is also dealing with protests by farmers over subsidy cuts. Convoys of tractors blocked roads earlier this week and affected traffic. Love it. No, I think we said love it, not mother. That's silly. Oh, no. <laughs> love it. Love it. Microphone hurt mother. All right, so this is uh, from a couple days ago, January 8th. Uh, German farmers kick off week of protests. German farmers kicked off a week of nationwide protests on Monday. They blocked roads with tractors in response to plans to phase out agricultural subsidies. Convoys lined German roads while in Berlin, dozens of tractors blocked the main avenue leading to the Brandenburg Gate. Police reports said roads were blocked in many locations nationwide and caused traffic jams during the morning rush hour. Farmers have vowed to blockade major mm -hmm. traffic and logistics routes for a week. They argue an end to tax breaks will drive farms out of business. Joachim is a truck driver. What the government is doing to us, increasing the road tax, increasing the price of diesel and so on, no one can afford this anymore. Everyone is affected and the problem is, everyone going shopping notices it and has to suffer. I feel for the guy. I do, right? You yeah, gotta get off need, of the yeah, fucking They diesel. need help with alternatives. Yeah, like, yeah. Not just pulling away the thing that their entire livelihoods are and say you can't do that but i don't know man like but that's that that's the conversation germany's uh in the you know last couple of years has made some really fucking poor power choices yeah but i've, I've had this conversation with people here in central oregon mm -hmm. when they were talking about uh their trucker trucking and um they were like they, they they're not interested in an alternative they just want the cheap diesel. 
like don't care, don't want to talk about it. Well, climate change I mean, is a hoax anyway. It doesn't matter. Yeah. This is bullshit. We don't we don't want an alternative. We just want things to stay the way they are. And Unfortunately, we'll, there's not a great alternative. Yeah, no, I'm with you. There's not. And if I was driving truck, I'd probably feel the same way. Right. So it's I, I get it, but it's it's so fucking Authorities are racing to finalise a draft budget for this year that was delayed by a court ruling. A backlash from farmers last week caused Germany's ruling coalition to make unexpected changes. The farmers' tax break on agricultural diesel now won't be abruptly ended, but the subsidy will be reduced by 40% this year and by just under a third next year. It will eventually end from 2026. The government also dropped plans to abolish the preferential treatment in vehicle tax for forestry and agriculture. The German Farmers Association said the changes weren't enough and stuck with plans for protests. So, like, they made some concessions, but, like, that's not... We're still going to take 40%. Like, that's... Okay. Well, I mean... Yeah, 40%. The biggest cost of your business just went up by forty percent. Yeah, your business just stopped being profitable. Right. If it was, you know, you're not operating at profit margins that are higher than that. No. When, when again, your number one cost. If if you're a burger place and your burger patties just went up forty percent without some other change, you're not making money. Anymore. Which is what just happened to yeah. everybody. Like yeah. this is yeah. happening across the board. Yeah. It's it's not so. Great. So now, uh, got a small, heartwarming uh, rideshare drivers strike at MSP Minneapolis St. Paul Airport for better pay, and it was a time. Well, and because it's fucking January, right? I, I've been there in January. Well, it's a <laughs> tiny little group that did this, but they're they're committed. So I'm, okay. I'm here for them. So some metro area Uber and Lyft drivers shut off their apps Thursday, and about thirty. Picketed at the Minneapolis St. Paul International Airport for two hours a week. The one day strike could become <clears throat> a monthly occurrence and perhaps a weekly event during busy times at the airport if demands are not met, uh, said Yusuf Haji, uh, a spokesman representing the drivers. You see a monitor of their signs. Uh, 30 peeps, huh? Yeah. Okay. So drivers working for Uber, Lyft, and other app-based rides provide about 2,900 rides a day at the airport. Um, over the past year, rideshare drivers have been pushing for better pay and at clarity. At airport? Yeah, that's that. Wow. That's a lot. The it's a pretty big airport. And cabs are basically not a thing anymore. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's some, but it's mostly... Why would you get all your bags and then go out and look for a cabin line if you could have it on your phone and know that your ride is there and mm. you're not fighting somebody else? Like, that's, I would rather do that. Um, so over the past year, rideshare drivers have been pushing for better pay and clarity around the rules transportation network companies such as Uber and Lyft must follow before terminating drivers or deactivating their accounts. So, um... Yeah, those rules should be clear. Yeah, they should be. Um, and you guys don't, don't may or may not know, but I, I mean, you, you know, been a do dissidents fan. So basically, there was a do dissidents, and the host of that show does, you know, gig work, app based, whatever. And I guess his his facial hair comes in real fast, and you have to do like a selfie check periodically on the app to like make sure you didn't get your phone to somebody else. And 
is one of the things yeah. or whatever. Well, he like had a beard now and he failed the selfie check. And so they just straight terminated his thing. You're done. You don't work for us anymore. Goodbye. <laughs> and it took him weeks of like calling and showing up places in New York, like just like pushing and pushing, which most people wouldn't have known how to do or have the patience or the ability to do. And he finally got it reinstated, but they're just like, no, that was art. This show, when we first published our very first episode, immediately the whole channel got shut down. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, sorry. And we didn't know why. Yeah, no. that, that was the thing. We, we had no idea. No, they gave us a general category of things that was, that, that was violated. And you know, we ended up, we peeled and we got it back. We hadn't done anything wrong. But it was like, there is nothing you can do about this. This mm -hmm. is permanent. There's, um, you, you can't ever make a new channel, right? Not just okay. Well, that one got banned. I'll make a new. Nope. They're like you're you're done. So it's yeah, it's frustrating when trying to make your lives on these fucking apps, and the app can just shut down. You're like, no, nah, we don't like what you did or said or whatever. So we don't work here. <clears throat> All right. Um, an effort to raise pay for drivers in Minneapolis failed last year, but led to the state creating a task force to study minimum pay rates and working conditions after uh, Governor Tim Waltz vetoed a bill his first veto that would have provided pay raises and job protections to rideshare drivers. Uber had threatened to largely pull out of the Minneapolis area if the bill passed. <laughs> Fucking do it then. Pull out. Right. Let let's, the apps go. Let someone else. Yep. Like, if that need exists, like, it'll be filled. We don't fucking need no, you. They created we, we, as a society, yeah. we're a thing, and we're doing just fine before they came along. Yeah, exactly. Right? And if you don't want to play by the fucking rules, and you don't want to pay people enough that they can live, then get the fuck out of here. Yeah, and you know, they rented a deficit for a decade. To, to Government-funded deficit. No, via uh, the, uh, for, uh, venture capital. Okay. Funded. Okay. Um, but they want their return on investment, and now they're finally mm -hmm. profiting, and because they have literally taken over the now market. It's time to extract. Yeah, did that thing. So, all right. So that is it for our labor uh, segment. Um, real quick, we're going to um, just do our uh, shameless plug. Uh, we only want to do this once per episode, so uh, I'll get it out of the way. So if you like what you're hearing and want to support us, we've got several ways you can do that. Uh, first off, we've got merch. We've got all kinds of t-shirts, a couple different logo designs, ton of different colors, different styles, fit, long sleeve, short sleeve, tank tops. Uh, we've got drinkware, we've got water bottles, mugs, even the aprons. Somebody's going to need these aprons for Christmas. I won't get part, but I want one. Um, on all the way on down to the notebook and the sticker. Um, so we set our prices so that for every item you buy, we get $10. So that may be, but see why the prices are a little funky because the way they had set up to store, we would get anywhere from 30 cents to $30 per, per item when we didn't want to mess with your guys' money. So um, we set, <clears throat> excuse me, all the prices to where we get $10 for everything. So of course that made the sticker 
$14. I'm assuming nobody really wants to spend $14 on a sticker, but you can get one for free. All paid memberships uh, include a free iHeartDP sticker. Just tell us where to ship it and what color you want. Uh, you also get an exclusive invite to our monthly Rant and Ramble on Rumble episode. Um, so you can check out patreon.com for the different tiers, the different membership tiers. Um, and you can also sign up for that middle tier on Substack, and they have an option for an annual discount. Um, and if you can't contribute financially, I feel you. You still play a vital role here. We would love for you to engage with us. Liking, scribing, re uh, reading, reviewing, and sharing our content is the most helpful thing anyone can do. Like I said, we need to get 500 subscribers before we can even start uh, bringing in anything on YouTube. So like, that's that's milestone one. Um, you can also sign up for free at Substack to keep in touch with us. Um, they have not just a newsletter. They also is where we host our show notes and the podcast version of this show. So I know that's a whole lot of information, but if you go to our website at divergentpolitics.com, come right here, uh, you can find all of that in one spot. So we have our episodes here. We've got the show notes, the audio podcast. And then if you come down here, got our links and socials. That's where you can find and connect with us. We've got Substack, YouTube. Um, yeah, so check out uh, divergentpolitics.com. Check us out. All right, so now it is time for our spot propaganda segment. Sure, get sound this time. All right, oh, there we go. So today we are gonna uh, focus on headlines. Um, so many people browse headlines of different news sites and consider themselves themselves informed. Um, and tonight we're gonna talk about why simply scanning headlines isn't enough. Uh, tonight, we're going to focus specifically on Donald Trump. I'm not a Trump fan. He's a liar. I don't like liars. The problem is, is that if all of the media outlets covering him, either positively or negatively, have to lie about him to do it, they're no better than he is. <laughs> See, you can't, you got to be able to trust it. So that's the reason we do this whole segment is for media leaders. Um, so I also feel like uh, reporting Donald Trump honestly provides more than enough material and salacious headlines to keep an audience engaged. So uh, when the, the headline writers sink to lying to cover liar, yeah, why should I trust anything? Um, and I'm doing Donald Trump because I want to show you that I'm serious about, you know, exposing my biases. And so even though I don't like the guy, what's happening in these headlines is not okay. Gotcha. So, First up, Exhibit A. This is what the general headlines are. Donald Trump told Iowa residents to get over it about the recent school shooting. So we got some headline examples. So from The Guardian, <clears throat> Trump tells Iowans to get over school shooting at Camp Hanley. Uh, from The Hill, Trump tells Iowans to get over recent school shooting. We have to move forward. Which is a little less Mm -hmm. Um, and then from the Daily Beast, Trump offers sage advice to Iowa after school shooting. Get over it. And then their quote was, this is beyond the pale. But their subheadline, headline, right under that, 
they completely contradict themselves. As I, at a campaign rally, Trump offered his deepest sympathies to the victims and families affected by the shooting, but added, we have to move forward. Doesn't sound that bad, does it? <laughs> he didn't say get over it at all. Why, why would you put something in quotes that he So he does say, say that. He does. But we're going we're gonna to hear the whole action. Before going further, I want to send our support and our deepest sympathies to the victims and families touched by the terrible school shooting yesterday in Perry, Iowa. To the entire community, we love you, we pray for you, and we ask God to heal and comfort really the whole the whole state and the pain, the pain that you have. This is something that's very unique to your state. Uh, we're really with you. They had, that's not something that's happening in Florida. I guess, like, hopefully, it's going to be With hundreds every year, they've never had one? That's I didn't dig into it, my impression. Or at least it's more rare there. Or it's not, okay. a, at least in that community, it had never happened. But that, that could be. I gotcha. Okay, yeah, so, okay. So now we're getting to where he not was. Not the state, but the, right, the yeah. community. So now this is what he actually you uh, as much as anybody can be it's a very terrible thing that happened and uh it's just horrible to see that happening it's just horrible so surprising to see it here but uh i have to get over it we have to move forward we have to move forward but to the relatives and to all of the people that are so devastated right now to a point they can't breathe they can't live uh we are with you all the way we're with you and we love you and cherish you we have uh, some big things going in there. So, I just saw not quite what the headlines were insinuating. Right. Like, no, they chose one little under a breath half of a phrase that they could twist and make it sound like he was some cold-hearted, mm -hmm. get over it. No, he, that was like the most nice I've ever heard him be. Right. We have to get over it. Yeah. And we have to get through surrounded by 40 seconds on either side of I feel for you and this is terrible and how horrible is this? Like so just so you don't accuse us of being Trump lovers here, put this in here. To be fair, he also said this. Uh during a rally in Mason City, Iowa, Trump echoed his false claims that the 2020 election had been stolen from him and said that we're not going to let it happen again. He added, <clears throat> he talked to his voters, you should all stay in those voting booths. You should stay in there and watch it. If you see bags of crap coming into the voting area, you've got to stop it. You can't let it happen because these guys are crooked as hell and they know how to cheat. So. Yeah, I mean, you, you don't have to look very far to find nasty things that he, that he said. Right. Like, so I'm just, then just so don't, like, don't make is, it up. Right. right. Exactly. Right. You, you looked and didn't find a story and you had to make a story anyway. Yep. And so instead You're of just saying, journalist. oh, in a rare, heartfelt moment, Trump actually showed his human side. No, they have to fucking spin it into something that he didn't say, which is silly. And yeah, any, anyone just reading headlines would be like, wow, what a piece of shit. Or more likely, they would hear someone else talking about him, you know. Yeah. And, and be like, yeah, I heard that too. Right. Like, no, he told him to get over it. Yeah, you didn't actually hear anything, you know, either of you. So. All right. So, Exhibit B headlines: Donald Trump hopes the economy crashes. That's the that's the latest uh, fear mongering headlines. So, from HuffPost, 
Utter disgrace. Donald Trump slammed after admitting he hopes the economy crashes this year. From Fortune, Trump says he doesn't want to be Herbert Hoover, so he wants the economy to crash. And Independent, Trump says he hopes the U.S. economy crashes this year for his own benefit. That one is actually technically correct. <laughs> but it's still not, still not what he said. So the actual quote is, we have an economy that is incredible. We have an economy that is so fragile, which is um, he doesn't have to make sense. Uh, and the only reason it's running now <clears throat> is it's running on the fumes of what we did, what the Trump administration. It's just running off the fumes. And when there's a crash, I hope it's going to be during the next 12 months because I don't want to be Herbert Hoover, the one president. I just don't want to be Herbert Hoover. I hope there's going to be a crash. I didn't say I want the economy to crash. He said, there's going to be a crash. I, I really fucking hope it happens before I'm president again. Not the same. Donald Trump hopes the economy crashes. There was this whole, just like, I was going to share one from uh, Morning Jokes. Just their reactions were just ridiculous. But I just wanted to uh, give them the, what are viewers through Morning Joe? But they were just like, Oh my God, how could he just want the economy to crash? So we got Joe Biden's reaction to this. Just fucking silly. When there's a crash, I hope it's going to be during this next 12 months because I don't want to be Herbert Hoover. He's acknowledging that my economy is doing pretty darn well because he doesn't want that to continue. And by the way, the idea that he wants to see a crash in the next 12 months, that want to be Herbert Hoover, he has to understand, he's already Herbert Hoover. He's the only other president who lost jobs during his term. When so, let's break that down a little bit. He's acknowledging that my economy is doing pretty darn well because he doesn't want that to continue. That's not what he said. No, he said the economy is struggling along, running on fumes when somehow he's saying he had a great economy and then Biden is running it into the ground. But he didn't have a great economy. So, whatever. But it's still not what he said. Like, Biden, Biden is, oh, he's acknowledging that my economy is doing No, he is saying it's going to crash. He's saying you're headed over a cliff. And then he says, and by the way, the idea that he wants to see a crash in the next 12 months. He already pointed out, he said, he said, when there's a crash, hope it's in the next 12 months. He didn't say he wants to see a crash in the next 12 months. Mm -hmm. He's a fucking real estate dude. He fucking is a stock market dude. He doesn't want the economy to crash. It's so fucking ludicrous. Economy crashes, he loses money. Like, he's a business dude. Like, it's not what he wants. He just doesn't want to be president when it happens because... You know, one of the things he's half smart about is seeing trends, right? It's how he's able to make money by seeing trends. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then he says that he doesn't want to be Herbert Hoover. He has to understand he's already Herbert Hoover. He's the only other president that lost jobs during his term. I am so tired of this fucking Democrat talking point. Joe Biden has had the record jobs, the best jobs, the best jobs, the record job. Like, Joe Biden came in after record job losses due to a forced shutdown to the pandemic. Trump didn't lose jobs. It's not his thing. 
much as I want it to be, much as I want it to be the truth that he didn't do, kind of, all those jobs were lost because of a global pandemic, and then we were forced to shut down. Mm-hmm. It's not like we let Trump left things up to the way they were, and then all those jobs lost. We had a depression. But no bullshit. Those are artificial job losses. Right. We were paying people to stay home, and so now coming out of that, fucking Biden and his White House keep claiming credit for all of these record fucking job gains. And like we just recently got back to pre-pandemic job levels, like just recently. Mm-hmm. And oh, see, Howard, no other fucking president has uh, built jobs like I have. But fucking dude, my toddler could have built jobs coming out of the pandemic. Like that was just gonna happen. It was gonna happen. And so he just takes all the credit for it. The look what I did. Look at well, me. Look at me. Yeah. So when he when he compares Trump to Herbert Hoover for losing jobs under his no, sorry, it's not the same thing. Okay, all right. So the next example is Exhibit C. Trump is being silenced by the judge and his fraud child. So headlines from CNN: Trump can't speak during closing arguments in New York civil fraud trial. Judge says. Uh, from MSNBC, Donald Trump chickens out of delivering closing arguments after failing to meet judged condition. Have you ever known Donald Trump to chicken out of anything? Mm-hmm. That man is a lot of things. Chicken ain't one. He ain't scared. He's not scared of enough. Like, right. he's not right. have a good sense of self-preservation, man. <laughs> like, not chicken is not somebody at something I would call Donald Trump. Lots of things. Want to be dictator, fucking want to be my boss whatever, schmuck, scum, whatever. Mm. Chicken? No. All right. Trump won't give closing arguments at front trial after judge sets limits. New York Times. So again, this one's a little closer to the truth. Um, so here's what actually happened. And this is copied and pasted from that CNN article, which had the most ridiculous of the headlines. So uh, Engeron, with the judge, offered Trump the opportunity to speak in his own defense uh, closing argument, but said the former president must agree to preset conditions that would limit what he can and cannot say. He would not be allowed to campaign, the judge said. Uh, also said if Trump violated the gag order, he'd find him and remove him. Perfectly reasonable expectation. Right. Perfectly. Yep. So he says, thus in my sole discretion, I will consent to let Mr. Trump make a closing argument if, and only if, through counsel by uh, January 9th, 2004, and by himself personally, on the record, just before he speaks, he agrees to limit his subjects to what is permissible in a counsel's closing argument. That is, commentary on the relevant material facts that are in evidence and application of the relevant law to those facts. Yeah, no bullshit. Yeah. No, we're, we're not here to hear rhetoric. Yep. Like, yep, so that was... If the... you have something to say, say it. Right. If, if you just, you know... Want to expel wind? Yeah, shut the fuck up. Yeah. yeah. So that is what was being, you know, portrayed as he's being silenced by the judge. So uh, he says he may not seek to introduce new evidence. Closing argument, right? Evidence is done. Testimony is done, right? He may not testify. He may not comment on irrelevant matters. In particular, and without limitation, he may not deliver a campaign speech, and he may not impugn myself, my staff. Plaintiff, plaintiff staff, or the New York State Court, court, court New York State Court system, uh, 
none of which is relevant to this case, and all of which, except commenting on my staff, can be done and is being done in other forms. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, Trump's attorney, uh, Chris Pies, uh, said Trump would not agree to such terms. Because he doesn't have anything relevant not to say. Not being silenced. So, yeah. what happened? It was an extraordinary oh, he just did it final. anyway. He sure the fuck did. Love it. <laughs> Wonderful. Today in Donald Trump's civil fraud trial in New York City, the former president came to court and he ended up giving what amounted to his own closing argument. First, his lawyer spoke and then Donald Trump butted in just as his lawyer was trying to get permission from a judge to allow him to speak. Rather than wait for an answer, Donald Trump went off. He went after the judge and the state attorney general suing him. He accused them of political bias and said that this case is a persecution. He said, this if anything, is exactly... this is a fraud being perpetuated against him. Later, Trump repeated some of those same comments in front of TV cameras, which weren't allowed in the courtroom. The judge in the case, Arthur Engerin, says that he expects and hopes to have a decision by the end of the month. If he rules against Trump, it could mean that Trump gets banned from doing business in New York City and that he and the other defendants would have to pay back $370 million in what state lawyers say were ill-gotten gains. <laughs> His lawyer is talking to the judge, trying to get permission for him to talk, and he just fucking stands up. <laughs> he didn't stand up at first. Hold on, we're gonna... So, uh, another The Daily Beast uh, from a couple days later, Trump goes down swinging in furious final trial remarks. All right, everybody. Okay. All right. So, this is the quote. This is what he actually said, because there's no cameras in the courtroom, so there's no video. He says, the financial statements were perfect. There were no witnesses against us. The banks got paid back. The banks are as happy as can be. There's no fraud. What's happened here, sir, is a fraud on me. This is Trump to the judge. <laughs> Trump to the judge. What happened here, sir, is a fraud on me. This is a political witch hunt. We should receive damages for what we've gone through. We have a situation. The judge was correct in that. Yeah. In that, you know, if that's how you feel, you need to take it up elsewhere. Yeah. Like that. That's how that works. You have to go through the process. Trump doesn't like processes. I know. Processes shouldn't apply to him. Yeah, They've never applied to him in his whole life. He's managed to get away with everything, never face any actual consequences. So, someone who uses uh, slap suit lawsuits mm -hmm. against people so much, mm -hmm. like, you you know what you have to do, man. If yeah. this is bullshit, then use your power and money to make them pay for it. Yeah. Like, but It's not bullshit. It's not fucking bullshit, and that's the problem. Yeah, but he's got to talk like this. He says, Till, to the judge, we have a situation where I'm an innocent man. I've been persecuted by someone running for office. I've built buildings all over the city. I've never had a problem. Bullshit. All the problems. So here's There's the thing. So many fucking problems over the years. Like what boggles my mind about Trump every time is that, like basic, basic critical thinking. You can figure out he's lying. But you don't even need to know who's talking here. No. When you read the financial statements, were perfect. No, they weren't. <laughs> no. No, nobody finding none. none. There's no witnesses. There's no witnesses in this case. None. I'm pretty sure that's not correct. You know, banks got paid back, did they? 
or are they the ones coming after you? Well, they got paid back, but the problem is that they got paid back less than they should have. Because, oh, right, right, right. So, right. It's, yeah. Because when someone says something, you know, I've never had a problem. You could not build one building in New York City without, without having some kind of no, problem. No, any, right? no. You, you, let alone multiples. No, this is like his believe me. Like when somebody says believe me, as often as he mm-hmm. said that, you should not believe that person. Yeah. Like they, he's reinforcing it to himself. <laughs> he's not believable. Like he needs to remind himself, you should believe me. I should believe me. Me, believe me. <laughs> oh, so he says, I've built buildings all over the city. I've never had a problem until now. They want to make sure I don't win again. This is election interference. Sounds like a campaign speech to me. Uh, when the judge held up his finger to indicate that they had one minute left before the scheduled mandatory 1 p.m. break, Trump lost his cool. You can't listen for more than one minute. This is a prosecution. And the judge cuts in. Persecution, yeah. Judge cuts in. Mr. Kais, please control your quiet client. The judge said, looking away from the former president and directing his comments to the man's Twitter. So, yeah. Am I the only one around here who gives a shit about the rules? Literally, yeah. No, he is. That's the problem. Um, but I guess while this was going on, uh, I didn't find the video of it, but there's uh, pictures of Letitia James in the courtroom with, like, the biggest shit on her face. <laughs> like, somebody said, uh, if that's the prosecutor in your case looks like that, you should be real sad. <laughs> like if she's, the prosecutor is smiling ear to ear. Probably got a case. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know enough details about that case to to actually know, but I don't feel sorry for Trump going to court Mm -hmm. again. All the bullshit lawsuits that he's put on journalists and you know other various people, like get fucked, man. Right. Yeah. This is a system you've used against others, and now it's getting used against you. Tough titties. Exactly. Okay, so now it is time for our mutual aid signal boost. All right. So, mutual aid signal boost. Uh, During this segment, we will read all relevant chats, even if they're unpaid. So, once we have 500 subscribers and we start getting super chats, those will be what we read on the air. But during this segment, we will read all uh, chats not just paid chats. Um, if you know of any mutual aid groups trying to spread, uh, trying to expand their reach, this is the time to spread the word. Um, and if you're not watching live and you want to tell us about a mutual aid group, you can email us at divergentpolitics.com and we'll share that episode on, or share that info on our next episode. So as you can see, currently no one has emailed us, so the screen is very blank and lonely. Won't you please help the screen feel less empty and useless by sharing your mutual aid network? info with us. We will also post relevant uh, website links and contact information uh, in the show notes for each episode. And then? So that's a mutual aid signal boost for now because we don't have anything to boost. Now we have political headlines. too far away from each other on my dual monitors. All right. 
political headlines today, January 13th, 2024. Today. Um, all right, so we always start this segment with topics we don't have time to cover tonight, but you should definitely look into on your own. Uh, so tonight, not as many as some other nights, uh, but uh, U.S. inflation edged up again in December. After all, we've all been called ungrateful whiny bitches for not being grateful that inflation has gone down. I think inflation <laughs> is is the ultimate edge. It's just edging yes. forever and ever and ever, never relieving itself. Yeah, no. never. <laughs> so yeah, we've, we've been you know ungrateful, unwhiny, because <clears throat> we're not happy about the inflation going down and down. It's going back. Um, Hertz Rental Cars is selling its uh, fleet of EV stock, including 20,000 Teslas, mm. uh, going back in favor of gas cars. So, yeah, cool. I always wondered how EVs would do as rentals, because they end up sitting sometimes. Yeah, so they I actually, sit for long periods. When I decided not to do this, I'd already, like, put the whole segment together on this, and I was writing a thing about a dude who, you know, went to Hertz and rented one, and just, it was, like, in his... He wasn't traveling. He just did it as an experiment and rented it for a week. And they gave it to him, and it was at 58% battery. Um, but, like, did not last very long. And then he's, but, like, he was trying to go run errands. And, oh, my God. I didn't even think about if you rent them. You don't have a fucking way to charge it. Exactly. So he was having to go out to Tesla places. It, it takes, like, over an hour. He said, he said he sat there and charged it for an hour, and it got up to, like, 60%. Um like he never got it all the way full and then they gave it to him without windshield washer fluid like the thing was empty and so like that's not an EV issue that's sure that's yeah that's, a, issue. He was that's like, a rental issue if i had like flown in and had plans vacation whatever and i had been given that with a 50 percent battery that would have been like it would have ruined my fucking day like, like, i mean it's again if they're being stored like they shouldn't be stored at 100%. Mm -hmm. It's not good for the batteries. Mm -hmm. Like, but it should be 80, right. I, I think, is where those want to want to rest at. Or when you know somebody has a reservation and is picking it Charge up. Charge it up. Right. Yeah. Now, the problem is you have a fleet of them and then number of chargers and then there's a logistical. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Exactly. So, so they're they're getting rid of those. Uh, I did see that they're selling the Model 3s for like 20 grand. 20? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Like, yeah, like half price. Oh, they're selling their yeah, they're stock, stock off. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, so it'll be the used rental car or whatever. But I guess uh, one of the things was he'd never, you know, had driven a Tesla before. So they, the card is a, the key is a card mm -hmm. that you just have to know to like hold it up to the lock and open the door, which he, he was expecting some kind of walkthrough from the Hertz guy. And the guy just like threw the keys on the counter, like, here you go. Just like any other car. I mean, the average guy at the desk at Hertz doesn't know how to fucking drive that car. Yeah, exactly. Not a clue. That's a whole, you know, other layer. I guess they, like, emailed him some videos a couple days ahead of time, so better than nothing. But just, like, oh, okay. your questions, well, like, what are you going to do with a guy at the fucking camera? I, I mean, I don't know. here's the thing. Like, I, I love EVs. Mm -hmm. I think they're fucking awesome, and they're definitely going to take over a good portion of, of the cars on the road. Mm -hmm. But not for every task. Right. And it sounds like as a rental, it's not a great option. Yeah. You know, the, I'm sure that, you know, I don't know any names of them because they're all little small companies, but, you know, your luxury car rentals mm -hmm. will probably have some Teslas oh, and right. keep them charged and charge a shit ton of money to use them. And yeah. that's fine. Um, but 
but her sorry we need to, little yeah. gas cars do this job better i know the problem is is we're trying to get gas cars off the road right and now they're selling twenty thousand dollars or twenty thousand evs and replacing them with gas cars like, yeah but those evs aren't off the road either they're still in use sure it, they just didn't work for them yeah I mean, this, honestly, but this is a better option because they could be used by the private market and get actual good use out of them and be a positive thing for EVs. Or we could fix the, the rental car market and make it more functional to have EVs. I, like, I, I just, that's, we we got to do something to get the gas I, I just, I the think, road, but... I, I'm with you long term, but right this second, I don't blame Hertz for making oh, that no, decision in any way, shape, the, or form. The problem is, is with with everybody only focusing on with things as they are right now long term nothing changes yeah you can't uh yeah you can't have one guy go and fill up all the cars yep doesn't work that way nope yeah that, that's what he was like no, yeah, it would change point. it would take a change in operation yes right and, and again if you're some specialty company that rents at evs you could you could get that figured out quicker but i'm saying this is be this is be above hertz is yeah. an issue right like this yeah. needs to be a societal fucking shift and we're just there all the incentives are to not change things. There all the incentives are. I don't. Just I don't know about the, the Teslas, but um, I had a uh, used an electric car as a as a rental at a shop that I worked at, and it had a plug in that mm -hmm. would plug into one ten regular outlet plug. It, it would take an obscenely amount of time to charge it. Sure. You know, hours. Um, but it would do. But it. it would charge at home. Yeah. Like we weren't giving people a car that they couldn't fucking charge. Right. You know, that wouldn't make any sense. And that was 10 years ago. Right. <laughs> it's not new technology. Yeah, anymore. it's not new. Right. And then uh, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin is in hot water for not letting Biden know he was in the hospital. Um, and he was hospitalized during the, the first of the what's going on in the, the Red Sea with the stuff. So. No, yeah, he should probably be present. Yeah, and um, he had, or at least know where he's at, right? And I guess he had done the right thing about like getting the deputy to like take over, but like Biden didn't know. And as far as Biden's concerns, that's his guy in this situation. So, yeah, but he doesn't remember that. In <laughs> <laughs> three days, he won't even know what happened. Yeah, he can't even you know, you know right. who that guy is. So now we are once again. Facing the risk of a government shutdown. Oh, I, I always hate these. I always hate hearing about it because it. you guys don't have a lot of fucking jobs. No. Right? You, there's not a lot of things that you actually have to do. Yeah. There's a lot of things that you promise to do. Right. Right? This is a and there's a thing. lot of talk of work. Yeah. But there are only a couple of fucking things that we ask you people to accomplish. And one of them is Keeping a the functional open. fucking budget that keeps the, the government in operation. Yep. As yep. far as I'm concerned, anytime they go into a shutdown, you're all fucking fired. Right. You you're all over. fucking fired. Yeah. You, you guys had all, I don't care, month, year, yeah. Yeah. week, whatever the time period was leading up to this that you could have been figured working out. on it. It's not figured out. Yep. You missed a deadline. You lose your fucking job. Right. I miss a deadline, I lose my job. The company that made the door that fucked up for Boeing, if they didn't meet that deadline, they would have got fired right. and they would have found someone else. Yeah. Right? Like there are consequences to not doing your fucking job. Right. So let's uh watch this fucking and it's just and every year it seems to happen deal. more and more for dumber reasons. Yeah, oh a hundred percent. I remember being a kid and hearing about like a government shutdown, and I was like that sounds like a big fucking right. deal. Like, my that, that's not me, supposed to happen. My cousin called me last time 
this happened a couple months ago because we haven't had an actual they keep just kicking the can down the road three months we've been mm-hmm. doing this for fucking ever uh a month at a time two months at a time and she comes she's like hey i heard about like a looming shutdown like that sounds bad is everything gonna be i'm like it's fine <laughs> <laughs> they'll probably figure it out they're so non-functional that yeah. when they don't actually function you're not going to notice any difference not with what she does not yeah. right like it's yes there's going to be consequences and the longer it's shut Absolutely. down the worse it is yeah. right but like my immediate day-to-day life doesn't change for the mm-hmm. first couple days the uh it will and you know when i was you know in the military that's a different story right um but yeah but people don't get paid yeah that's your paycheck mm-hmm. yeah yep and you still have to come to work people at tsa they still have to come to work and they don't get paychecks like you know so i saw the one time that uh this is why i swear that uh my buddhist practice works because shortly after I split with my ex, who was still in the military, um, we went through this government shutdown thing. And I was like, had just moved out and was like basically living on child support. That's what was putting food in our fridge. And that was it. And the way the government shutdown normally works is if there's um, a uh, shutdown, the military doesn't get paid. Mm-hmm. And Congress hadn't fucking voted on anything together in forever. And I sat down and chanted and was like, the government cannot shut down because I cannot have this child support go away. And like, I don't know, it's like cliche, the mom's living on the child support, but like he fucked himself and I got a stupid amount of child support because of it. And so it was a big amount of money and it was really going to hurt our, you know, fucking kids having groceries and daycare if we didn't get it. So I remember sitting there chanting, I'm like, fucking cannot shut down, cannot shut down, cannot shut down. It did shut down right before it shut down. Congress got together and voted for the military to still get paid. <laughs> so, but I still got paid. I still got my child support. Whatever fucking else needed to happen. But I didn't, I didn't lose my shit because they should. But I could have. So, all right, let's watch this. Intact as we face down. Do we or do we not have a top line deal intact as we face down the risk of a government shutdown if we don't sort out appropriations? in the next several days. As of right now, it's very unclear if there's a deal. Speaker Mike Johnson is gonna have to decide whether he's going to hold that deal that his predecessor, Kevin McCarthy, made with Democrats, or if he's gonna break that and uh, and basically do what his conservative right flank wants to do. So if you remember, that's the deal that got uh, Kevin McCarthy ousted as speaker mm-hmm. because he made a deal with the Democrats and the Republicans said, fuck you. We don't like your deal with the Democrats, you're out. So now they have to put Mike Johnson in place with that deal it's still the same deal. It's still the same budget. <laughs> we, we haven't actually moved on to the next issue. So, like, he has to decide, is he going to stand with the deal Kevin McCarthy made that got him ousted? The thing is, he should have already made a decision on that and then worked out the details of that decision. And, and whatever. He, he, I'm, I'm not going to so step by step how, how people need to fucking negotiate when there's two teams okay. negotiating and a fucking thing. So the, he's got the handful of far right people that if he agrees to the deal that Kevin McCarthy agreed to, they're going to have to just like they did Kevin McCarthy. And they are holding the whole thing hostage. And so the last I heard was he does intend to keep that deal. We'll see. 
this is going to be kind of the first big test for him to see if he can, uh, you know, try to manage this delicate dance. Of course, you know, he could go the way of Kevin McCarthy. It just takes one person to oust him. Uh, Republicans don't really want to do that again, but basically no one's happy. And uh, Congress isn't necessarily rational when it comes to some of these things. Okay, so if you're following along on your home, Congress game, the government is not necessarily to- rational when it comes to these things. Like money. That is her and quote. And money. They are not rational when it comes to a fucking budget to run our country. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Really this is a functional system. Yeah. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> we pretend like it is. Really glad I'm not part of it. Like I was trying to. Jesus, Jesus Christ. Sorry. Start shutting down a week from tomorrow. If this is not handled in that amount of time. And so it's become a question of whether the Speaker of the House will, in fact, endorse the idea of a stopgap solution. But, Gregory, that would be another stopgap. Really, really talking about another. Well, let's fund it for 30 more days Right in the middle of Iowa and New Hampshire voting. How can that all happen at the same time with the noise coming from the early states? And we know the speaker's in touch with Donald Trump. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you look, it's it's uh, this is the problem with the, the House Republican Party, where they have just the, the narrowest of governing majorities and unable to lose even a, a handful of votes without uh, then having to resort to getting Democratic votes for anything. And as soon as they do that, then, you, as, as Laura pointed out, you can have just one member of the Republican conference come to the floor and, and move to vacate the chair. So this is the tenuous position that Kevin McCarthy found himself in. Now Mike Johnson and and who knows maybe a third speaker of if things do not go well here. Do we or do we not having? <laughs> it's so fucked up. I'll do it. It's right. <laughs> I'll do it. You just need someone for thirty days, just to oh, just to get one stopgap through, and then you can oust me and get someone else. Yeah. Or, sure, I'll do it for thirty days. Let's do it. It's so bad. It's so stupid. Wow. All right. Children, they're fucking children. So now Jim Jordan says that Americans are demanding the government shutdown. Okay. This week we saw firsthand how serious it was, and we. I didn't put a face to that. Oh yeah, that's Jim Jordan. Damn. Problem. So you're willing to take this to the mat and allow the government to shut down uh, unless he has some new border legislation? I I think we have to, because I think that's what the American people demand. I mean, right now, polling shows eight out of 10 Americans know that this is a crisis on our southern border. So we've got to deal with that. That's, again, why why Speaker Johnson took the largest delegation ever to the border this past week. We saw firsthand how serious it was. And we. So I know I am checking. The poll. I didn't check the polls to see if eight out of ten people really thought that, but that's irrelevant because eight out of ten people agree that there's a crisis at the border. Yeah, that doesn't mean eight out of ten people think we need to shut down the government for it. Not the answer. Somehow, oh, we have a crisis at the border. Let's shut down the government. Maybe a correlation, but not causation. But I don't even think that's the same fucking ballpark. No, no, it's not. No, yes, we have a crisis at the border. Should we shut down the government? No. It's your whole fucking job. Keep that shit open. Yeah. 
There's a spider in the house. Should we burn it down? I mean, we could. Right. We could. Yes. But there's some other options. Well, you got to be functional. <laughs> so. Yeah, they're not rational about such no, things. No, they're not. So, record uh, house dysfunction by the numbers. Two hundred or 724 votes, only 27 laws enacted. They held oh, they voted on 724 different things. And just 700 of them didn't, were Dude. just no. Or, or not something that was not just no, but other. That is more voting and less lawmaking than at any other time in the last decade, and far less productive record than that of last year when Democrats had unified control of Congress. And not that I'm saying it's good that Democrats can get in there and ram things through, right? Which is what they're. Doing. Somebody's got to ram something. Yeah, Fuck. There's a. <laughs> in the middle there somewhere, like, let's actually, like, pass good things and not just on the right, right. paper quality. Um, but, yeah, and last year, uh, the House held 549 votes and passed 258 into law. So about half. For 720-something to 20-something. Yeah, I can definitely see, you know, both ends of that spectrum mm -hmm. being bad. But, right. But I can also see only 27 of 700 doing something. Yeah. And it's not like they were being lazy. Well, maybe they were all really busy coming up with a useful budget. <laughs> no, no. And that's we'll why they didn't have time to do all that voting. No, so despite the low number of bills signed into law, the House saw a frenzy of activity on the floor. They did lots of votes. That included numerous votes for speak House Speaker candidates, 19 votes across two historic Speaker elections. <laughs> Okay. It took McCarthy like 15 votes to get in in the first place. And then they ousted him, and then it took the new guy like four more. <laughs> um, multiple uh, attempts to expel Representative George Santos, uh, three, the third one was finally successful, uh, failed and successful votes on censuring Democratic lawmakers, six of those, and dozens of votes on hard right amendments to appropriations bills that ultimately did not pass or proved to be non-starters with the Senate because they were laden with, oh, I lost my finger. I think it was uh, far-right thing. My captions are covered. Mm -hmm. Well, but, uh, like far-right agenda issues. So I'm going to, I told you the caption thing's new, so now, I'm, now I can work with that. But <clears throat> uh, when it came to the politics of retribution and revenge, however, the House had a historically productive year. <laughs> Isn't that fun? <laughs> um, it sometimes took multiple attempts, but Republicans were ultimately successful at formally censuring three Democratic members of the House, Mr. Schiff and Representatives Rashida Tlaib of Michigan and Jamal Bowman of New York. And then this article says, before this year, only two members have been censured in almost four decades, which sounded like bullshit to me. So I went and fact-checked that, and on Wikipedia, there's a list of censures, and it's 23 times in the House, not just like there's more than that for other whatever, mm -hmm. but in the House was 23 times and five times since 2010. And most of the 23 were for uh, using unparliamentary language. People were censured in the 1800s for cursing. In the house. Okay. Man, can you imagine if we took it that seriously now? I don't know, man. I think in my lifetime, people are going to be getting hand jobs in there. Yeah. Like, Jesus. At least on video after. Yeah. So, yeah, so we're doing real well. All right, so now we're going to talk about uh, uh, U.S. and U.K. having joined World War III. 
Um, Houthi airstrikes, U.S. and uh, British militaries launch retaliatory strike in Yemen. The U.S. and British militaries bombed more than a dozen sites used by Iranian-backed militants in Yemen. The targets included logistical hubs, air defense systems, and weapons storage areas used by the militants. President Biden says the strikes are meant to demonstrate the U.S. will not tolerate the group's attacks on ships in the Red Sea. Fox's Rebecca Castor reports. That's, that's, I don't know, man. There's a bunch of white people killing people in the Red Sea area for what they're doing in the Red Sea area. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a whole lot of not your fucking business. That's, that's not how Americans roll them. No, no. <laughs> the U.S. and U.K. hitting back after weeks of Houthi rebel attacks on merchant ships in the Red Sea. The White House confirming the two countries launched joint military strikes in Yemen on Thursday. Defense officials telling Fox News the strikes were carried out using... Let's just pause that there and keep that image up there. So this is what we've currently got here. We've got uh, the USS Carney, which is who fired the most recent. This because uh, there's actually an update to this story happening. This was late yesterday or today. Mm -hmm. um, the USS Baton, my ex-husband was on that ship. <laughs> Sorry, that just uh but so we've got uss delbert black up off israel the uss gerald r ford carrier strike group up off egypt the uss sullivan's uh right in there too uh closer to italy right but i mean two carrier strike groups that's over 100 ships right there isn't it yeah, i mean I carrier like strike like group means it's like 20. okay it's not hundreds it's 50 there's yeah, it's a, it's a couple right destroyers, a couple cruisers, a couple frigates, a couple submarines or two. It's a handful. It's not hundreds. Okay. Um, so a lot of fucking ships. Hanging out right there. A yeah. lot of metal. A lot of yeah. gunpowder. Yeah, a lot of gunpowder. So, a lot of teeth. Go ahead. Now that we get an idea of just how much military U.S. military troops are. Sitting in the missiles and fighter jets. The Houthis need to stop these attacks and that they will bear the consequences for any failure to do so. Since late November, the Iranian-backed Houthis have carried out more than two dozen attacks on commercial vessels, claiming the violence is a response to Israel's war on Hamas in the Gaza Strip. Though most of the ships targeted have no connection to Israel. We have the capabilities and the capacity to do... Got your fucking attention, though, didn't it? Yeah, sure did. But here's my thing. Why is that our problem? Like, don't be wrong. I'm not for like, like this is your guys' argument as the generally as the people as the, the people that live around the Red Sea. Yeah. Well, like, no, I'm saying like they what the the U.S.'s whole reason for intervening in the first place is non fucking starter. Like they're doing it. The, the Houthis are attacking because Israel's attacking Gaza, mm -hmm. and supposedly that's not a U.S. issue, right? In theory, supposedly that's not our conflict. Like, we support Israel, and that's cool, but we're not at war. Mm -hmm. So the, why the fuck are we striking the Houthis? Why the fuck are yeah, we firing of a, our of missiles from our ships into another country, into Yemen? Yeah. Which is where, like, they're not involved at all in this. And we're saying, well, it's because they're retaliating for the thing that... that is, 
the other piece that we don't have in here, I was listening to the Green Green Glenn Greenwald's podcast this morning, and Biden just did this. The whole point of a president, you're supposed to have to have to declare war through Congress. Like a president is not supposed to be able to unilaterally. Yeah. Unilaterally. Yeah, this has to be, you know, to aid a conflict, not just for no fucking reason. Yeah. No. And so this whole like Bush started the war on terror, so we're always at war. But no, they're supposed to have to get it approved ahead of time <clears throat> um, to to have any kind of army whatever, and then reapproved every two years, which has not fucking happened. We have been at war since 2001. And so Congress has completely abdicated its role in declaring war because they don't want to have to fucking be accountable for the hard votes there. Right. So Congress has just said to the president, you decide this is your problem, which is the exact opposite of what the founding fathers wanted. And y'all are the ones that care so much about what the founding fathers want. Like, I think we should move on from what they wanted. And they were a bunch of drunk 20-year-olds in the fucking 1700s. Right. Right. <laughs> Maybe we just time for some new updated. But this is your thing. You're supposed to care about what the founding fathers intention, you know, intended, principled, blah, 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 whatever. And now you're just like, oh, well, accept this, because that would make us look bad. do to execute the missions that we've been assigned. In a statement, President Biden says he will, quote, not hesitate to direct further measures to protect our people in the free flow of international commerce. Our people? Our people weren't involved. <laughs> they weren't involved. But, but did you catch that? The free flow of international commerce. Yeah. That is what we're yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's obvious. It cannot have anything to do with the people. We have to protect the capitalism. That's obvious, but you you were supposed to have to lie about that. Right. Right? You're, you're he did lie. He said people. You're supposed to, What? And? <laughs> like, like. He said the quiet word a lot and loud. Of a meme I, I seen a long time ago that had, uh, I don't remember what country it was, because it's such a U.S. thing, it doesn't even matter. Yeah. There was a country on a map. And a bunch of army base of our army bases yeah. around it, and it said something like, uh, "How silly of this country to build their country right next to all of our all of our bases." <laughs> and I'm looking at all those ships, and I'm like, "Oh, how silly of those countries to put their country there where right all of our ships all are." Our ships are. <laughs> Jesus. But there are fears. No, this, this is a crime. Them. This is a crime yeah. by by, by your mean? own constitution. And would be under the International Criminal Court, but we're not a member of that. Right. We, we chose not to join. Right, why would we? <laughs> then we would go to jail. <laughs> then, then a country to jail would be us. <laughs> Broader regional war. On Thursday, the Houthi Supreme Leader promised a bigger response to any attacks by U.S. forces on their military positions. What other choice does he have? Any American aggression will never go on it answered the response to any american attack will not be at the level of the operation that was recently carried out with 24 drones and several missiles but rather much greater if we think that firing a few missiles is going to cow the houthis and they're going to stop doing what they're going to do and they're going to be deterred that's not going to do it secretary of defense well, Lloyd Austin remains hospitalized but said in a statement in part quote the united states maintains its right to self-defense and if necessary will take follow-on actions to protect u.s forces they're only in danger because you put them there. <laughs> We're going to protect U.S. forces in the region because... Let's see what I can do. I don't know if I'm going to my closed video. Um, 
Yeah, no, they're, they're going to defend our, our forces and play a def defensive role. Like, there's nothing to defend. They're only there in danger because you put them there. Okay. No, so, I mean, that's borderline aggression. Oh, it's straight up aggression. You know what I mean? No, not borderline. I mean, no, just straight up. Yeah, you're not defending anything. You went to someone else's house, threw a fucking brick through the window, and are claiming to be oppressed. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right, so now we're going to have something a little more fun. So, Rand Paul says, never Nikki. So, uh, Rand Paul created a website called Terrible Sequel Nikki to Darling Nikki. Nikki. Um, there. All right, cool. So here we have Ever Nikki. Just um, we're gonna watch his little his little video. Good morning, everyone. As I told you yesterday, I'm ready to say something about the presidential race. I've had a long relationship with Donald Trump, and there's a lot to like there. I'm also a big fan of a lot of the fiscal conservatism of Ron DeSantis. I think Vivek Ramaswamy has been a, an important voice. Also have listened to and met with the independent Bobby Kennedy. I'm not yet ready to make a decision, but I am ready to make a decision on someone who I cannot support. So I'm announcing this morning that I'm Never Nikki. And if you go to nevernikki.net, you can let her know that you're not a supporter either. I don't think any informed or knowledgeable libertarian or conservative should support Nikki Haley. I've seen her attitude towards our, our interventions overseas. I've seen her involvement in the military industrial complex, $8 million being paid to become part of the team. But I've also seen her indicate that she thinks you should be registered to use the internet, that people posting ideas anonymously I think she fails to understand that our republic was founded upon people like Ben Franklin, Sam Adams, Madison, John Jay, and, and really others anonymous. who posted routinely for fear of the government. They posted routinely anonymously. And I think her failure to really understand well, that or think that you should register through the government somehow for the hold international hold on. is something Pause that right disqualify. That, that is, that is that, not even the same fucking context. Like, but no, so he's she's saying that if you want to be able to go on Twitter and talk shit about people, you shouldn't be able to hide your identity behind an avatar. That's what she said during the debate. She said you should have to register with your driver's license to get on social media. Yeah, get fucked. Right, and it's like, and then people get doxxed, and then people get whatever. The, well, it, it, maybe if you could get doxxed, maybe if your info was out there, you wouldn't be as mean to people online. That's her. Get fucked, lady. So he's that's saying that's not how the internet works. So he's saying even back in the day of Ben Franklin and whatever they're writing pamphlets, they wrote anonymously. Okay, I see what you're saying. Okay, for protective. Gotcha. Reasons. Gotcha. Right, like so sure, but like even back in the day, anonymity was a good the, thing. The and... thing, I guess, what I'm really running into here is there is no ah, world. What happened? Now you started the intro over again. Oh, I'm not even on that screen. Um, no, where's it coming from? Where's that music coming from? 
that shouldn't be anything. Am I playing our video somewhere? Oh, there we go. Weird. Sorry about that, everyone. That was silly. I don't know how I had a episode was playing from the beginning. Cool. Thanks now. All right, but I closed that. So anyway. No, what I was saying is there's not a world that the people that he claims to endorse wouldn't take those same things from you. Right. Like, like yeah, they're not on different sides. They're the same fucking sides. All right. So, um, to what? I want to go back to the actual one. There it is. After the video, so if you go down here, he's actually got um, like the why never Mickey. Um, and some of this stuff is what he was reading. Mm -hmm. Um, there's something on here. I will say, I disagree with Rand Paul on almost every whatever. He's probably the politician I respect the most. He's consistent. Mm. Like, he's a staunch libertarian. And, you know, I, I have you know, libertarian capitalists is fucking oxymoron. Like, you cannot have libertarianism and capitalism together. Mm. I'm on, I definitely i am on the libertarian socialist side, which I that what you want but but he's consistent and his views are consistent and he's not flip-flopping based on you know the way the wind is blowing mm -hmm. <clears throat> sure and so um he said i don't like the guy's views but i at least respect him as a you know i understand why he keeps getting reelected. Mm -hmm. right the people that i don't understand why most of our congress keeps getting reelected. most people keep them mm -hmm. um, but but he's at least consistent in his views and the people that vote for him like those views. That's point right. Um, maybe this is just the text of the video. Still have slots on this one. Oh, yeah. All right, so 2023 was the hottest year on record by a lot. Um, this is from CBS News on January. Australia, closing out 2023 with roaring wildfires fueled by a heat blanket, which wrapped around the globe last year, bleaching coral in record warm oceans, fanning our own forest fires, and now the data's in. 
2023 is the warmest year on record. It surprised all climate scientists. The sheer number of records that were broken and how they were broken. The world is struggling to bring down greenhouse gas emissions still rising, caused mostly by burning fossil fuels. One point. But yeah, let's just let birds get rid of a bunch of vehicles and put more gas vehicles on the. I know it's not let them. I yeah, get it's that's not, not that the, cut and dry. It's of course it's not. But I, we're all making those decisions yeah. because yeah. it's the best decision for us individually, and it's absolute worst decision for the fucking world we need to be in. Mm-hmm. 0.5 degrees of warming. Well, while we're talking about it, though, I, I was very surprised to hear about, um, you know, a lot of our greenhouse gases coming from manufacturing processes, mm-hmm. um, like concrete and like the, the everything that goes from start to finish on that is mm-hmm. like makes up like 20% of the world's wow. emissions. That's a lot. That's a fucking lot. Yeah, that's a lot. And obviously we need concrete, so that's, you know, right. But, but it's part of the question. Right. It's definitely part of it. Burning fossil fuels. 1.5 degrees of warming is a target supposed to be the ceiling. But globally, the average temperature pushed past that on half the days of last year. That is, that's it. Like 1.5 degrees. Is Hold point. on, but that, that's, a, that's an oxymoron. It pushed past that on half of the days of the year. Yeah. That is an average. It's already an average number. It's 1.5 average since industrialization. So that's taken out of all the temperatures everywhere and then averaged for the year. Right, but they're talking per day. So you can't do that per day. True. You, not if you can't do it per day and then say it was higher for half the days. It's a yearly average, right? So it would have to be like, but there's a set number. There's a set number that we're going above 1.5 degrees from. Right. And so, like that okay. number. But in to January... simplify, let's say that number was 10. Okay, just to make the math a little easier, and it was over that half of those days. That means it was under that for half of those days. Or at that. Or right. But the the goal is to keep it below that at all times. But it's not for all times because it's an average. It has it has to average out. It, it, it's not this city was one and a half degrees hotter this day than it was last year. That's not how that works. No, but it's the globe on that day. Okay. The average now, I, temperature I, I must have that misunderstood day. what she said because okay. I I didn't check the math at all of warming is a target supposed to be the ceiling but globally the average temperature pushed past that on half the days of last year meaning historically this could be the, the warmest in 100,000 years according to copernicus the european climate agency there were right. simply so no like cities a, no in january the pre-industrial global average temperature was 10 and this year it was 15 in January, right? On um, or on those days or whatever. But, okay. uh, uh, but and I get what you're saying. I that think it's the, conflating two measurements. It probably I, I see what you're right? saying because one of those measurements is an average, so yeah. like you're double averaging. And I, I get what you're saying, but we shouldn't be anywhere near that fucking number sure. on any day. Sure. So. <laughs>
I don't know. I just I have a lot of problem with with statistics on this stuff because a lot of it is fear mongering, yeah. and it's already fucking scary right. and real. Like you don't need to you don't need to you know bullshit it. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I get you. Books, agriculture, or domesticated animals on this planet. Last time the temperature was so high. Already the New Year's ushered in extreme weather, flooding in Peru, while temperatures are amplified in the north. In Canada, we actually are warming at roughly twice in round numbers, is twice as fast as the global average, specifically mm -hmm. the high latitudes of the Arctic. It's three to four times. We need to become a climate-proof society that is not three to four times overwhelmingly affected by But adapting is hard and costly. Finally, in those areas got that runaway effect. Yeah, that's when, you, when you thaw exactly. out that tundra, it releases more. That should be frozen solid for ice fishing. Like that should not be fucking seen. Logan Wilkins might get some clients for his ice fishing business. Around the Christmas season, there was no ice and a list of cancellations. The last two years have been pretty extreme. And, uh, you know, I, I'm under the belief that that's going to continue to happen. Scientists agree, predicting 2024 could surpass last year. It's going to be a wild ride. I mean, who knows what I'll see in the next 30 years. Susan Ormiston, CBC News, Toronto. What do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> oh, you're not growing up. It's, it's 50 crazy. degrees in January. Yeah. Okay. So um, we're trying to end our uh, political segment with a political cartoon. Uh, this one I thought was appropriate for what we've talked about today. It's two people sitting on a bench, both holding newspapers, and they're both on fire. And the lady on the left, her paper says, 2023, hottest year on record. And the guy on the right, newspaper says, Middle East, wider conflict, Russia, Ukraine, U.S. politics, Trump trials, Iran, North Korea, anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, China. And they both say, the planet's overheating. Shit's on fire. Shit's on fire. All right, so that is the end. Um, and we thought 2020 was the dumpster fire. Right. Yeah, no, it's only gotten worse. Like, 2022 was okay. But then it's like, it's like bad, then like a little better, and then way back then. <laughs> Next, we have our apolitical. Um, uh, Alex, you're up next. We're still talking about the weather. All right. Here we go. A political pilot from Saturday, Saturday, January 13th, which is my interest in seven year anniversary. We started dating seven years ago today and uh, got married just over five years ago. So happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. All right. So, bomb cyclone hitting the United States. Winter storm beginning are bringing snow, powerful winds, and Arctic cold. There's just what 
So it was just a, this in morning, the, images the latest were wave. Amazing. Oh, that's really quiet. Okay. Apologize for that. The brutal winter weather in the form of a bomb cyclone detonating across the country. With another round of twisters and hail hammering the south and blizzards slamming the Midwest with blinding snow and whipping winds causing whiteout conditions, snarling roads and blanketing neighborhoods. We're mainly dealing with accidents. Temperatures plunging well below zero, setting the stage for possibly the coldest Iowa caucus in history Monday, with wind chills expected to feel like 30 below. And more avalanches in the west. Near Stevens Peak in Idaho, authorities say two people were rescued, one is still missing. And a second avalanche in Lake Tahoe after one Wednesday killed one person and buried three others, including Jason Parker. You said you couldn't move. No, you, you can't move at all. It's it's a scary feeling. Rescuers seen here digging for Parker, who was trapped under close to four feet of snow. They found him Imagine. after eight minutes. I started yelling, help, help, as, as much as I could. My adrenaline's rushing. My, I just, uh, it was, it was so, it was surreal. In the Northeast, another round of torrential rain is set to worsen ongoing flooding. Rivers in New Jersey still rising from the last round of severe weather earlier this week. Hard hit communities nationwide preparing for more blows as Mother Nature shows no sign of letting up. This just makes me think of that textbook that was going around in the, it's a meme, but it was a picture from a textbook going around in the 80s talking about climate change. And it says uh, direct visual or results will be visible by the mid 2020s mm -hmm. and here we fucking are because we spent 40 years digging around for corporate profits thinking about talking about starting Maybe a committee that's going to decide whether we should start contemplating talking about this issue yeah so um and then this one's from today historic flooding hits hampton beach new hampshire so the flooding from this um, uh, is going to be, it's not just like what's from rain, it's the actual sea, like sea level, high tide oh, yeah. flooding. Yeah, high, high water. Okay. Yeah, so this is freaking nothing. An update. Man, why uh, is this seeing... ocean putting itself where all my buildings are? Yeah, exactly. conditions along Hampton Beach. How are you holding up, Troy? Uh, Amy, I'm holding up pretty well. So is Adon, the photographer right now, but uh, conditions are definitely worsening right now. Here, Adon, move past the way. Uh, look right behind you. Look at this one truck driving through this seam foam. An that. absolutely wild scene <laughs> here at Hampton Beach. Just take a look behind me right now. You can see all along the coast, all along the wall, there is just consistent water piling over and flooding Ocean Boulevard and even making it way past Ocean Boulevard and starting to flood some businesses. There's been a flash flood warning issued until one o'clock right now. But take a look at this. Not only is the so water building is this up, a wind issue? Like it's here, just forcing, forcing, the, forcing the water? I tied in wind. Hmm. And it's also raining and snowing. Sandy Coast, the water continues to rise and there's just sea foam almost as far as the eye like can see we were driving through it a little bit earlier and it was tough and it blinds right the driving conditions very dangerous hampton police Just are starting to really be serious about blocking off some of these roads on ocean boulevard you can see right here 
even more water piling up my feet. Yeah, but Adon, I want you to look right over there. Yeah, you see all that seafoam clearing. Yeah, I just uh, pulled up. I just checked our, our temperature here, and it is zero degrees here right yeah. now with a wind chill of negative six is what it feels like outside at our house right now. We're doing our best to stay warm. Oh, boy, it is gross out here today, too. Ocean Boulevard, but the wind gusts have definitely picked up. They were in the mid 30s a little bit earlier this morning, but it definitely feels stronger right now. The strongest would be around 40 to 50 miles per hour. But guys, the conditions still worsening and the highest tide is supposed to come around 12 20. We'll have more updates then. This one's a couple hours. Oh, seafoam images are. Yeah, yeah, I bet it was worse. Yeah. All right, so that is our apolitical. Ah, wrong thing, hit the wrong button. Saw the nakedness of my desk. <laughs> All right, so now we're gonna have our silver lining closing and close of the day. Actually, I'm gonna do that again to make sure it comes on with the sound because I have to another mm. one. Not going to be lost. Reload it, make sure. Okay. All right, so final thoughts. Was there anything you wanted to talk back about anything in the episode? Uh, I, I, I honestly want to see, um, I was talking earlier about whether Boeing, you know, uses their own engines, which I don't think they do. I, I wonder what, like what components they actually make, if any, or if they're just assemblers. I'm See, curious. Who makes oh, uh, just 737 MAX 9. If you just look at the wiki, it'll tell you what engines are on it. Produced, uh, designed, produced, and marketed by CFM International. CFM? I've heard that. Interesting. But yeah, more more to my point though. I, I wonder what they're actually making. Yeah. I, I doubt it's much of anything. Probably too much. Um, which which means if you don't have a pretty good quality control check program in place, it, it would have already been a problem. Right. Somebody somebody made made choices. Made, somebody made bad choices. Well, if, if we're talking about it. Somebody made you know they made the dollar cutting right. choice. Right. And. The only thing we can hope for as consumers is that someone fucking gets nailed to the wall for it. Mm -hmm. Like, it has to be scary to make that choice next time. Yeah. Or it's going to happen again and again. We don't do that that way here. We don't, we don't punish capitalists here. That's not how we call it. Punish the workers and the poor instead. Yeah. So okay. I hope you got something something more silver than that. Uh, so we know the topics that we covered can be bleak. So we want to try and end our episodes on a positive note. Tonight's silver lining is... No one was seriously injured on that last plane. Mm. That is like my worst fucking idea. I just sitting on a plane and like you see the sky, like mm -hmm. like I would have been like double in my seatbelt, like I don't like panic attack. Oh my god! Like the fact that even in that video, everybody on the plane was just calm and quiet. Like they were like shocked. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds, reminds me of, nobody's screaming uh, nobody's panicking reminds me in fight club when the guy's explaining the handbook mm -hmm. you know he's like oh there's a situation where you need a mask look at everyone calm as hindu cows <laughs> right because the oxygen relaxes you or whatever right oh fuck you that's terrifying yeah exactly yeah there i'm, I'm glad, glad no one got hurt yeah, yeah.
Yep. So that's the that was this was a dark episode. So that was the yeah. only silver lining I could come up with from it. Uh, it's a rough one. Um, so now we have our quote of the day. Mm. So um, actually, I'm gonna kill these subtitles so I can read things if you can see them on the screen. All right. Buddhism holds that everything is in a constant state of flux. Thus, the question is whether we are to accept change passively and be swept away by it, or whether we are to take the lead and create positive changes on our own initiative. While conservatism and self-protection might be likened to winter, night, and death, the spirit of pioneering and attempting to realize ideals evokes images of spring, morning, and birth. Very nice. All right, so let's check our chat. Everything cool. Um, all right, got a thank you there. So that's our show. Let me go ahead and get to this right here so it can make it easier for me to click later. <laughs> uh, that's our show. We hope you join us next time. Just a quick reminder to head on over to our website at divergentpolitics.com for links to all of our socials, membership signups, and the DP merch department. Let's have a great night. Have a good night. Thank you, guys. Thanks for watching.